Welcome to the Celebration Church Tri-Cities Podcast. We are so grateful that you have chosen to spend part of your day with us. We are praying that God speaks to you through this message from our pastor, Robert Russell. For more information about our church, visit cctri.org. Enjoy the message. Let's pray to begin. Lord, yours is the name that is above every name. That you are the Messiah. That you came to this world to be the sacrifice so that every person could have life eternal. I pray for any person who's here or watching online who is searching that this day your Holy Spirit would penetrate their hearts that they would recognize that you are the King of kings and Lord of lords, that you created all things, and yet you humbled yourself and took the form of a man and came into this world to be the sacrifice for our sin, that anyone who calls upon your name will be saved, the name of Jesus. If that's you in your heart, cry out to him. He always answers the prayer of the humble and broken. He'll come to you, dwell in your heart, and make you a new creation. It's the gift of God. It's not something you earn. It's not of works. It's by the grace and the love of the one who created all things. We give you thanks for this, Lord. Amen. Over the last four weeks, we've been doing the connection class that we normally would do outside of the weekend worship services, but the staff thought it would be a good idea for everybody to go through it together to make sure sort of we're on the same page and in the same direction. And we started about talking about what we believe, a lot of our foundational doctrinal beliefs and our vision statement that we are a place that seeks to worship Jesus in spirit and truth and we do not compromise on that. The world around us is compromising very often about what is truth, questioning if there is even any truth. And the church has gone along with that in large measure but we stand firm that Jesus is God, that he is the truth and that life answers are found in a relationship with him and then we've talked too about God has designed all of us in unique ways Hedy did a teaching about personalities and we want to emphasize that so that you would understand how you are created in helping you in relationships with others and in service in the church that if you understand the type of personality you have and then are able to discern the personality of others, you are better able to be a servant of Christ. And the third part was about being a person who recognizes your gifts in order to apply them in service. That God does not give any gift to any person so that they would be exalted above others, but that every person is gifted in unique ways to accomplish the things that God has called you to accomplish, that only he could do through you given those gifts. 
And the one thing that I emphasize and want to re-emphasize is I certainly do not believe there is a hierarchy of gifts or a hierarchy of intelligence, but that every single person is gifted and wonderfully made by God for the purposes for which he has appointed you. And that all of us need to understand who we are in Christ to be used to his glory. And then the last part of what we talked about in this series was about being a servant That God calls every person to be a servant. The scripture in Galatians says that we are to serve one another in love. That the entire law is summed up in the command of love your neighbor as yourself. And the primary means by which you and I love others is through our service. Now you may not think of yourself as a servant right off the top. But if you really dwell upon it, how many different ways and opportunities does God give you to serve others? starting within your immediate family or with your friends or in your work setting and certainly in the church. And what we were emphasizing last week was the importance of serving in the body, serving other believers. That this was a priority, I think, in the history of the church but has waned as a priority in the modern culture. That many people say they don't have time to be involved in service in the church, but I've argued that How much time you have is not a question of the busyness of your schedule. It's the question of the priorities that you set. And if you believe maturing in Christ and following him means being a servant, then you make a priority of doing so. And I am thankful for all the people who stuck around last week and talked with the different ministry areas and heard a lot of good feedback about people volunteering to help in certain areas. And thank you for that. Anytime you serve somebody else, there is going to be a blessing in it for you. There's often joy and a a very peaceful joy in serving somebody else. In serving yourself, there is temporary pleasure followed by hollowness or emptiness. In serving others, there's a, a joy that is consistent and maintained in some way. Now, all of those four weeks were leading up to this series that we're going to do now entitled Begin Again. And this title came from the fact that a person here in the church back in the fall felt like the Lord spoke to them and said that it is a time for Celebration Church to begin again. And as many of us heard that word, there was just affirmation and confirmation all over the place that This is clearly what the Lord is saying to us. Now, if you think about life, there are times where you can begin again, and there are times when you can start over, but there are not a lot of times where you can start over. And what we're talking about here is different from that. Now, what I mean is, if you were doing a a drawing or a diagram or a painting or a sculpture or something, and it's not going the way you want, well, you can trash what you started and restart, start all over. But have you thought about that life does not usually give you that type of opportunity? You cannot just scrap the years that are behind you as if they did not occur and try to start afresh. You can't just go back and start over like you can with some things because whatever has occurred has laid a foundation to where you are right now. You can go in a new direction, 
you can begin again, but you can't really just erase and start over. And so that's what we're saying here is that we're not starting over, obviously. This church has been around for over 20 years now. And I've been here through almost the entire time to see all the ups and downs. And it is a time that is different, a time to begin again as a church. And what has happened in the last two years in the world has certainly impacted churches across the world and certainly in this country. That many churches have closed their doors. I don't know if you knew this or not, but... Uh, 20% of churches were facing the prospect of closing last year, 20%. And I've known of churches in the immediate region that have closed as a consequence of what's happened with COVID. And so there is this reality that some places have to begin again right from scratch to completely go in a different direction. Well, that's not the case for us, but it is a time for a new direction. Now what I said here a few weeks ago is I believe that God has been in the last couple of years and continuing to shake the world, to test people, and to sift them. And you see the shaking is obvious, all the different things going on in the world and continuing to go on, and they're not going to stop, they're going to continue to be shakings. The testing takes place in an individual heart. How do you respond? How will you deal with the situations around you? Will you walk in faith or will you walk in fear? And then the sifting is separating. That's what sifting does. It separates. And I believe God is separating true believers who know him and walk with him are filled with his spirit from those who are false, from those who are lukewarm, only pretending to be true. And so... In this time, part of the beginning again is a call to those who truly seek him for a fresh work of God, a fresh move of God. There are many people who believe that the only thing that can truly save the country in which we live is a grand revival, a move of the Spirit of God that so affects the landscape, that is, it so affects many, many people that it changes the course of society. And such a revival has to begin in the church where there is truth and a fire of God among individuals who are seeking him. I think that's part of the testing and the sifting is who will truly submit to him, who will truly follow, be filled with the Spirit, and, and fulfill his will. And so God is calling the church to a fresh place, not just celebration church, but I believe that is the call to us, but to the church at large. Now, there may be some churches in some parts of the world that have been under persecution, who've been standing firm, where the call to them has not changed. But the call to the church in this country is largely a call to repentance from our selfishness from our desire to make God in our image, to attempt to force him to be what only he could do. In other words, to try to force him into a mold that we desire rather than accepting who he is and what he desires to do. That the call to the church in this country is repentance. 
And see, repentance is not just a mass call. It is one heart at a time. It's the testing that goes to one person and a call to each one of us to repent and humble ourselves before him in order to do his will. And so we want to talk about beginning again as a church, recognizing that God is doing something new. And the foundation of this is Isaiah 43, where the scripture there says, forget the former things, do not dwell upon the past. He says, I am doing a new thing. It springs up, do you not perceive it? He said, I am making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. When he declares, I am making a way in the desert, it's like the land in which we live, the world in which we live. There are a lot of things that seem to be very, very difficult, but God is always able to make a way for individuals, for nations, whatever it might be, that are fresh and new according to his plans. Now, in thinking about beginning again, there is a pretty obvious question in this. And that is, where might you and I need to begin again? Now, if you think about it, there are countless places where that could be true in an individual life. Perhaps you need to begin again in your relationship with Christ. Maybe you have wandered off, been in the wilderness, maybe been in a sinful lifestyle, maybe been in rebellion. And God's calling you to come back, to begin again. Or maybe that's not the case for you. Maybe it's just that you've become somewhat lukewarm. That your fervor to know and walk with God has waned for whatever reason, maybe without you even thinking about it. And maybe there's a call for you to begin again in your personal relationship with Christ. It might be that God would call some of us to begin again in our own being in how we do some things. Maybe you need to begin again in a way with your health that you would manage it better. Maybe you need to begin again in relationships. Perhaps there is a specific person that you know you need a fresh start. Maybe you've been married a long time, but you need to begin again in your marriage. Maybe it's a family member that you've been estranged from, that you've hardly talked to because of some incident in the past, but God's reminded you of that person several times. Maybe you need to begin again with them. See, if you really begin to search your heart and mind about this subject, there are virtually countless areas where you not, might need to begin again. And maybe you've gone through a period where things have been really great in your life, but there's been a change, and you need a new course, a new direction. It's like I talked about becoming an empty nester was a big change for me. I loved having kids around whether they were little or when they were teenagers. I loved having them around and then the quietness of the empty nest was difficult. But there's been a time of 
new beginning, new direction, fresh understanding, even adopting other kids and counting them as my own. And so even you, you might be in a good season in life or have been in a good season, but you need to begin again. Or maybe you had a job that was the best job you ever had and it came to an end by no fault of your own. And you're really wondering, what do I do now? I think of this gentleman who went to church here. He's now moved away, but, but he lost his job and he was really stunned by it. But he decided to do what he had sort of always wanted to do. He took the opportunity to go in a different direction, get retrained, go into a whole new field, and has enjoyed it thoroughly ever since. What seemed like something bad turned out to be a great blessing. Now here's something that I think is so exciting and joyful about being a Christian. That God gives you opportunities to begin again all the time. You think about it, the world doesn't give you that opportunity. You might be one and done in the eyes of the world in a lot of things that you're considered has been no good. Some of you know the story of Dick Vermeil. He was a professional football coach many years ago for the Philadelphia Eagles, was pretty successful, got out of coaching for something like 10 years, and then was asked to coach the, what was then the St. Louis Rams, the team that's now in Los Angeles. And a lot of people talked about him as, whoa, he's, he's a has-been. He's been out of, the, out of the game way too long. The game has changed, it's passed him by, and so forth and so on. And then, if you know the story, what happened was he built a pretty strong team around this quarterback who was injured early in, in the preseason of a year. And they brought in this quarterback who was unknown, untried. Many of you know who that was. It was Kurt Warner. And there's a movie out about his story now, which is a good movie. I, don't, I can't very often recommend a movie, but that one's good. And um, he came in. A lot of people thought well, Vermeil has lost it playing this guy. And if you know the long part of that story, they ended up winning the Super Bowl that year. The only negative part was they beat the Titans in the Super Bowl, if you recall that. But see, in the, in the eyes of the world, both of those people were done. Kurt Warner and Vermeil. But it's really a story about God's work in Kurt Warner, using him to the glory of God, and certainly an opportunity to begin again. But here's the good part. You think about it. This is the nature of God. He is always doing something new, something fresh in the life of every person. He can give you this opportunity to begin again over and over and over and over. See, much of the world would like that, but they don't know where to find it. They keep looking in the wrong places. I recall before I became a Christian, there was something in me that wanted a new 
life. But I didn't know how to find it until I encountered Christ. Now in this scripture, the prophet Isaiah, of course, is speaking and he says, forget the former things, do not dwell on the past. He's speaking what God has told him. And he's saying, forget what's in the past, don't dwell upon it, God's doing a new thing. Now, one principle that is very, very important that a lot of people ignore is this. They take a single scripture and build a little theology on that without taking into account all of scripture. That with anything, you need to take into account all of scripture. Because in this passage, the scripture says, forget the former things, do not dwell on the past, Yet, what did God tell the Israelites to do when they crossed the Jordan River? Set up stones of remembrance to remember something that occurred in the past. So if you just took this and said, well, I'm never to think about the past, never to dwell upon the past, then I'm missing something. Because there are times when God says it is a good idea to remember what occurred some time ago particularly when it involves the faithfulness of God. If you think about what things have happened in your life where clearly God was evident, God was faithful, it is a good thing to recall those. It is a good thing to share those with others. I mean, think about the most difficult, trying times of your life and how God proved his faithfulness to you. Those are the stones of remembrance that we are to have. But in this case, he is saying there is a time to forget the past, not dwell upon the past. Now, when I read that scripture years ago, I tended to think about don't dwell upon the negative things of the past, which is true. You don't want to spend a lot of time caught up dwelling upon that which was not good. Like some people are virtually locked in to a season of their life that was really bad and they dwell upon it all of the time. It's like a lady that I talked to many, many years ago who was a very angry lady. She just was. You could just see it in her countenance. She was hard. She was bitter. And as I talked to her about the things that she had gone through in life, she'd been through a difficult divorce that was not her choice. She blamed her husband, and I said to her, it's absolutely essential that you forgive him. And she gritted her teeth and said, I will never forgive him. Now, that statement alone defined why she was so bitter and so angry. She was locked into something that had happened in the past and was dwelling upon it continuously. And anytime you do that, it will take a toll upon your life and undermine how you are living now. In her case, she definitely needed to begin again by forgiving her ex-husband. But maybe... For you, it's not something like that. Maybe for you, it's a season of your life where you went awry, 
Maybe you knew God, but you chose to walk a sinful lifestyle for a long period of time. It cost you, you repented, you came back to God, but you dwell upon that season very often. And it holds you back, it keeps you from being free to be the person that God really wants you to be. And you see, God would say to you, do not dwell upon the past. If you're reflecting upon God's faithfulness from the past, that's a good thing. If you're dwelling upon your own mistakes, your own failures, it's probably because there's a spirit of evil who is constantly reminding you, wanting to keep you in bondage to the past. And you see, God just does not do that. We do it to ourselves. Certainly, Satan wants to do it. The spirits of evil want to do it to us. But God is saying, forget the past. Your sin is as far, as, as far away from you as the east is from the west. I am doing a new thing. Do you not perceive it? Like, I perceive that God is doing a very new and good thing in the church worldwide and in this church. Despite the fact that attendance at churches across the land and here is far less than it once was. Sometimes what God does is bring us to a place of pruning in order that we would be more fruitful. And he does it individually, he does it collectively. And I believe definitely he is doing a new thing. Do you perceive it in your own life? See, here's the problem. If you are caught up dwelling upon the past, you will not perceive the good that God is doing now. Now, I mentioned that in thinking about this scripture, I would tend to think about the bad things of the past, but you can also have the problem of dwelling too much on the good things of the past. Wanting to bring back your glory days or recreate some season of your life that you thought was wonderful. One of the things that I've encountered about walking with Christ is this. You will have mountaintop experiences in this life with God. He will give you some absolutely wonderful experiences. And like at the Mount of Transfiguration, when Peter, James, and John went with Jesus and then, then they saw him in his glory, they wanted to stay there. And when we have a mountaintop experience in some way or another, we want to stay there. And if we have to leave for a season, we want to go back there. It's not often that God does it that way. I mean, he might give you multiple mountaintop experiences even in the same place, in the same way, but eventually he's going to go somewhere else, do something different. Like my family and another family have gone on vacation together now for years because our children are married to one another and we, we've had a number of people with us. We've had a blast and we've rented the same house for year after year and just had a wonderful time, but the house was sold and they no longer rent it out. We're all like, 
it was a mountaintop experience that is just going, hmm, got to find a new direction. But there's a reason, I think, that God does not let us continue even in the good things of the past because then our focus is upon the things of this world more than upon him. And he wants to show us new good things. Things that are deeper and richer. In fact, some of the things that I found really joyful, exciting earlier in life, now I find rather boring. That there are deeper, richer things in Christ that are of greater significance. So, an obvious question going along with the question of where do you need to begin again is, what might you need to let go of and stop dwelling upon regarding the past. Now, I've mentioned before that it's easier to stand here and teach something than it is to live it. And I've certainly had my struggles of dwelling too much upon things of the past and allowing them to undermine today. Losing the spiritual battle for a season. Dwelling upon the past. But God's blessings are new every morning. And see, he's saying, don't dwell upon the past. Recognize I am doing a new thing. And he does it all the time. He is constantly doing a new thing in every life. That's just how he is. He's constantly doing something new. Do you perceive it? You see, there are things that can keep you from perceiving the goodness that he's at work doing. Or you can recognize it and be excited about it. See, a lot of people in the turmoil of the last two years of like, they wanted to push the pause button and then hit the rewind button and go back to where we were. It's not going to happen. Can you perceive the goodness of what God is doing in the midst of the desert or the wasteland? In some ways, we're in a desert season, a season of wasteland, and many people don't recognize it, but God is doing something new and good in the midst of it for those who are seeking him. And if you go through Scripture you realize that there are just numerous examples of God beginning again in some way. Now, I said earlier that because of the nature of our lives, we can't exactly start life over. Now, God can start over anytime he wants to. But with us, it's building upon the past in beginning afresh wherever we are right now by not dwelling upon the past. But there are countless examples in Scripture. I mean, take the flood and Noah. God said, I'm grieved that I made man. They're so wicked. He almost completely started over. And yet there are examples throughout Scripture of where God is doing something new, a new beginning. Take with Israel, when he delivered them from Egypt, it was a new beginning. When he took them into the promised land, it was a new beginning. Oftentimes they would wander away from him and he would call them back. There'd be a time of repentance. Maybe he would give them a new king who would seek God fervently. There'd be a new beginning. Even when the Babylonians conquered Israel and carried them off 
into exile, God was doing something new. Even when the the Jews were scattered throughout the world for nearly 2,000 years, he proclaimed they would be a nation again. He gathered them back and did something entirely new in 1948 by forming the nation of Israel again. It's just the nature of God. He's always doing something grand and new. When I think about this in the scripture, perhaps the most significant new thing that God has ever done is what we refer to as the new covenant. In this passage, when Jesus was with the disciples and he had taken the bread and broke it, he said, this is my body given for you to celebrate as we do in what we call communion, his sacrifice for us. And he said, in taking the cup that this is my blood shed for you, that it is the new covenant in my blood. Do you realize in the history of the world, there is nothing of greater significance than what Christ was doing right there. In him coming to the world, being the sacrifice to take away the sin of the world, in the resurrection... And in offering salvation to every human being in the entire world, it was the greatest new beginning in all of history. I mean, if you were to read secular historians about world history and they would point out these great events and that great events, usually political things or military things, the greatest historical event ever was the incarnation, crucifixion, and resurrection of the living God. Nothing remotely approaches it. Because God had laid down the old covenant through the people of Israel. He had sovereignly done so. He chose them. He did so to provide the law, what we think of as the moral law. Not that Israel could be the perfect people. He knew they couldn't but that the law was given to reveal sin. In other words, to reveal man's need for a savior. Everything in the Old Testament, everything that God was doing through Israel was to reveal the need to all of humanity for the Christ, the Messiah. And then he did this ultimate new thing, a new beginning that you and I could have a new beginning in Christ. And see then, it carries over in Corinthians where it says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. See, for the world, the greatest possible new beginning was the work of Christ. For you and I, individually, the greatest possible beginning again is an encounter with the living God who is Christ, that he would come to live in your life and transform you from the inside out. What every human being really longs for but can only be found in him. It is a secret to those whose hearts are hard, their eyes are veiled, but to the person who humbles themselves in any way, who has a broken and contrite heart, he reveals it. The Holy Spirit brings it to us. And then you can receive the greatest new beginning ever. 
See, this is why it is important that you would remember some things from the past. That you would remember that you were transformed. I can remember clearly, see, I've said before, I was alone. I was just under conviction of the Holy Spirit when I came to know Christ. I can remember clearly from one day to the next, it was from a Saturday to a Sunday, that something changed. I couldn't define it. I didn't know what it was. But I soon began to realize that I had encountered Christ. And see, I think this is one of the reasons that God calls us to baptism. You are not saved by baptism. The thief on the cross wasn't baptized, yet he was with Christ in paradise. There are those who teach baptismal regeneration, that is, that you must be baptized in order to be saved. I don't agree with that. That baptism is an outward sign of an inward work of Christ in you. But he calls us to be baptized, to follow his model. Remember, Jesus submitted. He was baptized as a humble act that the Spirit of God was upon him. You see the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit all at work in the baptism of Jesus. I believe he calls us to be baptized as a stone of remembrance because you will not forget it. Now, if you were baptized then as an infant, you probably don't remember it unless you have a remarkable memory. But if you were baptized any time after an age where you can recall things pretty well, it's a strong stone of remembrance that you do not forget. You see, there's some things that God has done in you, through you, that you stand on. They are the foundation. When you're transformed in Christ, there's a new work. And your life has changed. It's to the glory of God. And then ultimately, there's going to be a new beginning for the entire world. This is perhaps one of my most favorite passages in all of the Bible. Where John who had seen this revelation, saw that there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. At the first heaven, the first earth had passed away. No longer would there be a separation between the two. He saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven. And it was prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. Because the new Jerusalem would be the, the throne of God, the dwelling of God, the place of God where his bride, the church, would come before him. That it'll be the, the ultimate new beginning. See, one of the problems for too many people in our culture and, and in the church is that we love the world more than we love God. So we're not looking forward to this. We want to keep what we have. In comparison to a world with no sin, where there's... No more crying, no more death, no more pain. Why would one want to hold to this world? Billy Graham was quoted later in his life, very late in his life, saying that he was looking forward more and more to seeing Christ face to face. That the ultimate beginning again will be through, for all of creation... It's why we don't have to fear death. 
The scripture says we should not grieve as those who have no hope regarding those who have died. But rather, we recognize that those who have passed have already gone ahead of us. Getting to experience what the heart should long for. I long for a time when there be no more tears, no more pain, no more death, no more crying. Where the old order of things passes away. It says, he who is seated on the throne, that is Christ, says, I'm making everything new. That there are a lot of things about this world, day by day, you're like, why? It's such a struggle sometimes. But ultimately, I, I think we'll not even dwell upon that. Ultimately, it will be so new and fresh every day that you'll just enjoy the presence of God. Now, so my question is, where do you need to begin again? As we go through this series, I would encourage you to make that a matter of prayer. Maybe you don't know. When I ask the question, maybe you don't know. But for some of you, I'm sure immediately something came to your mind. And I encourage you to make it a matter of prayer as we go through this, that God would do something new and fresh. You know, there's some people who've been in a pattern of living for years, for so long, they think it'll never change. Or they think that about somebody else. Yet, I've seen radical change. It's the nature of God's work. He can do something new, something fresh, give a fresh beginning to any person. And a lot of people, when someone says that, says, but, but you don't know what I've done. Well, that was the Samaritan woman at the well, wasn't it? Jesus went out of his way to go to Samaria. The Jews normally avoided Samaria. He went to Jacob's well at an unusual time of day. Obviously, for the specific purpose of encountering this woman. That's why the scripture talks about when there is one lost, that he leaves the 99 and goes after the one. He went after the one at that well. And she was there because she was a woman who had a poor reputation. She wouldn't come early in the morning with the rest of the people. She would come at midday hiding. Yet Jesus encountered her. And she basically was saying, she knew about the Messiah, by the way. And Jesus said, I am he. And she wanted to hide things, but Jesus revealed to her, you've had five husbands and the man you're with now is not your husband. At that point, she couldn't dwell upon the past anymore. It was right before her. And she probably expected to be condemned, but she wasn't. She was forgiven. And she had such a sudden, radical new beginning. She ran into town telling people, come and see this man who knew everything about me. Of course, the people in the town probably knew everything about her. She probably had a reputation that was well known. But the good part of that story is she was a very effective evangelist. That people believe, they came, they encountered Christ, believed for themselves. 
She had a radical new start. So it really doesn't matter what your background is. God wants to begin again something new, something fresh in every one of us every day. What is it for you? Let's pray. Lord, you know all of us individually, where we've been, our journey. And you know where we need to stop dwelling upon the past. Where we need a fresh start. You also know the places where you want to do something brand new that we've not even thought of. I pray that all of us would have eyes to see that we would perceive the new and good things you are doing in us, among us, and around us. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. We hope that you enjoyed this podcast and that it blessed you in some way. Don't forget to visit our website at cctri.org. And make sure that you send us your prayer requests at office at cctri.org. We pray that the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him.